afternoon, folks. Welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters for Wednesday, the 17th of May, 2023. I'm joined by Charlie Downs, political commentator. How are you doing, Charlie? Hi, Carl. I'm very well. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. And uh, we are going to be talking about uh, how Britain's Conservatives seem to actually be rallying. Yeah, exciting. Shocking. Yeah. Like, how has this happened? Uh, Keir Starmer's Blairism on steroids and, of course, the Eurovision Song Contest, which I hate. <laughs> Uh, anyway, before we begin, uh, we'll be doing our second Rumble exclusive live hangout on the question, or the, the, the meme, should I say, we were never asked. Now, this is quite a spicy thing to say, um, but Bo and I are going to explore exactly why this is powerful, because it is a powerful statement. Um, I'm not going to spoil any of it, but there's a, a, lot, a lot that we're going to go through that's going to be very interesting there. So anyway, let's begin. Um, Britain's Conservatives are currently engaged in the National Conservative Conference, the first National Conservative Conference, and uh, Connor is currently there, and I'm sure that he'll be back tomorrow, and he'll, I'm sure that he's going to give us a much more in-depth uh, look at that uh, than I'm going to give. I'm just going to be talking about the sort of external reaction to it, because it's gone down, well, from my perspective, very well, from the left's perspective, some sort of apocalyptic disaster, mm. right? and anything that the left considers an apocalyptic disaster... It's got to have some values. Yeah, well, there are those on the right who are sort of, um, you know, not satisfied by this thing, mm. saying it's containment and that it's not enough, not good enough. But actually anything that gets yeah. our enemies screeching in this way, mm. you know, surely that can be only a good thing. Right? Well, they, uh, a good point's been made. I've seen uh, certain uh, rat-like scholars <laughs> make uh, make the point that this is advancing the dialectic in the direction of the right. Mm. We, whereas normally it's the com constant conservative loss of the di dialectic in the direction of the left. Uh, and that is in and of itself an excellent thing. Yeah, it's positive movement. I mean, we, we yeah. were saying before we came on, um, you know, just, just getting all of these people in a room together mm. is a fantastic thing. That's progress in and of itself yeah. um, towards, you know, moving, as you say, as a certain Persian scholar likes to talk about, moving the dialectic in our direction. Yeah, and uh, this is unusual for a lot of conservatives, because I think a lot of conservatives are kind of committed to the loss at this point. Yeah, well, I think there are those, I think there are actually those on our side who, uh, in a sense, enjoy, I mean, they yeah. enjoy being men among the ruins, if you yeah. want. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. There is a kind of relish in it. Yeah, but actually, you know, you and I, as we know, recognise that positive vision is what's important here. There, there is a kind of uh, nobility that they glean from this, and I don't blame them, mm. because I do understand uh, where they're coming from, but you've got to be able to take your wins. Because yeah. the good thing about the Conservative Conference is that conservative values, authentic conservative values, mm. are what are prized there. So you can essentially make those arguments and start rolling things in that direction. Yeah. But anyway, before we go on, if you want to support us, go sign up for the website, £5 a month, help us keep the lights on, because of course we're demonetized everywhere else. And uh, go and watch our podcast, uh, Martin Luther King Was Not a Conservative Hero, because a lot of conservatives these days don't seem to understand that he was basically a radical leftist mm. um probably something that conservatives should be aware of anyway moving on so national conservatism was trending on twitter right that's how i, I uh, really uh, started paying attention to this to be honest and uh, there's a chap on twitter called jack hadfield who is at the conference at the moment if you can go to the next one john um he's live tweeting coverage so if you want a sort of rolling coverage jack is doing the lord's work there uh it, so it spans over multiple days, like three days long, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, this is the final day. And last last night they were at the British Museum, Natural History Museum, uh, with the giant whale above them, which is uh, a disappointing replacement for the Diplodocus, in it's my opinion. a great choice of venue, though, I thought. I mean, that looks spectacular. Beautiful choice of venue. Yeah. Uh, and as you can see there, Douglas Murray uh, was giving a talk, which went down well. 
How do you think that was described by uh, your average leftist on Twitter? Oh, fascist, national. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> what a surprise. What a surprise. What a surprise. Oh, and climate denial alongside fascism. And climate and denial. Yeah. My goodness. Uh, what, what I love, uh, well, what I don't love actually about this is that I, I actually think that this was slightly, uh, this particular framing from Douglas was slightly um, too much British understatement because they did start reacting poorly to this, but I think we'll cover that a bit later. Mm, okay. um, uh, but anyway, so um, this was, of course, led to the Conservative Conference being disavowed by the Natural History Museum. Oh, no, I didn't see this. Champions, diversity, equality and inclusion of all people. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously, a celebration of a native culture is, uh, yeah. you know, evil, yeah, was, apparently. Um, I mean, it's only the British Nat- Natural History Museum. Indeed. Um, How could members of the British government be allowed? Yeah. I mean, you you speak about this sometimes, but <clears throat> inclusion here stated mm. as a as a kind of prime value. Well, yeah. I'm not being funny. The only things worth having in life are that is that which is exclusive. Yep. You know, this conference is a cel- is a kind of it's being framed at least by certain people as a, an, as a nationalist conference. And whether we want to look at it like that or not, it's certainly an expression of patriotism. Yeah. Um, and that's necessarily exclusive. Yes. Um, and that's what makes it good. Yes. And that's why they kept out all the left wing media. Yeah. And the left wing left wing media were screeching hysterically about mm. this. I did see some protesters got in. Um, yeah, we'll get to those. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it got disavowed and then it got uh, smeared. Uh, here's uh, an anti-racist organization. Pink News. Speaking very kindly about a woman of color. Sweller Braveman has been talking about penises at a right wing Christian conference. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder wonder what she had to say about penises. Well, um, that's really not the uh, <laughs> that's really not what was interesting about what Sweller Braverman was saying. And it's it what is interesting about Sweller Braverman though is she does genuinely seem to actually be a conservative. Well, she does. I'm very I'm actually very impressed by a lot of what she says. I mean, she's she Same speaks here. like someone like you in in mm. many cases actually. And I must I must say right. I want to be careful how I say this. Go on. Um, you pointed when that when the Tory leadership um, race was happening. You pointed out that Steve Baker didn't run, um, and your theory was that was because you know he may have held the same opinions as somebody like Stella Braveman, but his uh, you know he didn't fit the right identity categories. Let's Quite possibly. Say. And I wonder, I wonder how much of that is um, a part of somebody like Stella Braveman being able to say the things that she says. You know, she's because she has a certain hmm. level of uh, I hesitate intersectional to use the word privilege. privilege. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's doubtless that. And the, I've noticed that the leftist critiques of her have just overcome that and they're just calling her a Nazi. Uh, and so, okay. Yeah, no doubt. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, she said, uh, conservatives must always be honest with the public, honest about our principles, honest about our priorities. In a way, we distinguish ourselves from the left, uh, the leader of the left, Sir Keir Starmer. He opposes today the things he stood for yesterday. He'll change his mind on tomorrow and he'll campaign uh, on next year as a great man of principle. Although, given his definition of woman, I can't rule him out running for the first uh, Labour's first female prime minister. Uh, and she also made the point that it was uh, an unfashionable fact that 100% of women do not have a penis, which apparently got a great round of applause. Which, I mean, yes. I mean, yes. Like, it's... <laughs> if, 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 standard. If it, yeah, if it, need, if it needs to be said, then yeah. sure. But, like, it is, it's depressing that that is what, you know, gets, like, a standing ovation at, yeah. a, con- at a national conservative conference yeah. in 2023. It just shows how much the left controls the discourse. Oh, that's absolutely. The problem. Yeah. Uh, when, when that's the hill we have to die on. Mm. Mm. But anyway, <coughs> excuse me. Um, a giant fat man decided to interrupt her <laughs> because he's a racist, I assume. Um, 
Must be, yeah. I mean, I just... It's just kind of embarrassing that this is the quality of protester that the left has. I mean, what, what's this guy's day job? Why, <laughs> why is he here? Why is he doing this? I mean, yeah, this, this, this footage is out there forever now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, very unusual. Anyway, so Sweller Braveman had come out and controversially said that, uh, quote, white people do not exist in a special state of sin or collective guilt. Controversial. Yes. Well, it, Not <laughs> racial sins of the father. It, it's literally controversial because everyone has created a giant controversy around mm. what I think should be a fairly milquetoast statement. Benign. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would say this about any group of people. They aren't actually guilty for what their ancestors did. Yeah. Uh, I don't even think Germans should have collective guilt. No. Mm. No. I lived in Germany for eight years. Yeah. Every German I met was lovely, and every single one of them apologized to me because I was British for World War II. And I was like, well, it wasn't your fault, and I wasn't involved. Yeah, wasn't born. <laughs> you know, and it's not that I don't appreciate, like, the you know, we're, we're part of a heritage. Mm. And I, I can completely appreciate that the Germans have got a burden there. Mm. Um, but it, I felt it was just my job to try and make them feel less like they were bad people, because yeah. they weren't bad people. They mm. were really nice people. I mean, it's good. It's good. <sighs> As much as this is low-hanging fruit, and as much as this yeah. shouldn't be the, the things that are making headlines in the way that they are, it is good that the Home Secretary is saying things like this. Yes. Now, you know, that said, she is the Home Secretary, we'll and, and, and yet she speaks as if she's the Shadow Home Secretary. We'll, we'll get to that yeah, in a second, no because it is just insufferable. Yeah. But I don't think it's actually her fault. That's mm. the thing. I get the feeling. In fact, we'll cover that in a minute. Yeah. So... Um, she also said that multiculturalism was a recipe for communal disaster uh, and doubled down on controversial remarks, again, more controversial statements of truth, yeah. uh, about grooming gangs being almost all British Pakistani. Mm. Okay, but we can literally just look at the people who have been arrested yeah. and convicted for it. Uh, she argued you cannot have immigration without integration. People who come here should embrace and respect this country. Can wild, radical statements from the Conservative Home Secretary. Fascist, there. I hear. <laughs> they must not commit crimes, average fascist. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just can't say this with a straight face. They may practice any faith or none, and they need to respect everyone else's right to do the same. Mm. Uh, they need to learn English and understand British social norms and mores, which is not to say they cannot enrich and add to our culture. Above all, they cannot simply turn up and say, I live here now, you have to look after me. It just... I, I don't I, I don't want to have to take this seriously because it seems just like such obvious Yeah. Do you know what though? That that one of those things she said in there about mm. um having to speak English when you're in England mm -hmm. or Britain. That for whatever reason, that particular point is always really to well, to certain people, it's always really very, very offensive. And I've never yeah. understood that because, you know, we think about the British in Spain, for example, is mm. the obvious example. Mm. Where they go to, they go to live in Spain, um, and they just sort of essentially set up an English colony yeah. where they only speak English, all the food is English, and so on. And, the and that's viewed as a bad thing. And the leftist always comes to you and goes, "Yeah, but that, that means that they'd have to integrate." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, exactly. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. And if they don't, feel free to kick them out. Yeah. But yeah. the interesting thing is, see, I, I actually had um, a conversation with uh, a girl in a university seminar about this because I made the case. I was the only person in the room mm. to make this case. But I made the case that it's completely reasonable to expect people who are moving from another country to your own to speak your language. And like and no converse, no no talk of like integration into the culture or anything no, like that. Just simply speaking the language. Yeah. And this was something that was so offensive to her and everybody else in the room that it, it sparked, you know, we had a heated discussion about this. <laughs> okay. I said, well, all I had to say was, well, okay, if because this this girl was not from England, right? Right. Um, I said, if I was to come to your country, would you expect me to 
if, if me and my family were to come to your mm. country, would you expect me to speak your language or would you expect me to speak my own? And she, and she obviously said, well, you know, I expect you to speak my language. But then she said, but my country uh, didn't have a globe-spanning empire, you know, this, that, and the other. And I thought, ah, okay, we've right. touched on something there. Yeah. So is it about revenge? Is it about uh, you it get always. to come here and speak your language because, you know, because of some because collective guilt? You feel the British Empire imposed English on your culture. Yeah. Right, yeah. And it's entirely possible. Mm. I mean, honestly, whenever you get at the root of any of these immigration arguments, it's always about revenge. Yeah. They always trot that out. Oh, it's yeah. like, well, then I'm going to stop apologising for the British Empire, aren't I? <laughs> anyway, so Robert Peston was like, how could she say that white people do not exist in a special state of sin or collective guilt. Did she go too far? Do you expect a British Home Secretary to say this? Uh, I replied to Robert Peston, saying she should say it often, louder. Bellowing it once a day in Parliament might be sufficient. Uh, Robert? At minimum. At minimum, yeah. But what I love about this is you always get the uh, insane leftist who, for the, for the master's is never really on, uh, and then it comes straight off. And uh, Dr. Charlotte Proudman oh, is... My favourite example of this, yeah. average white supremacist, mm. uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, typical Aryan woman, yep. Dr. Proudman. Proudman. Yes, Proudman. <laughs> I mean, <sighs> as a white person, we must recognise our privilege under white supremacy, colonialism, and imperialism. Right, so she's admitting that she's uh, a beneficiary and upholder of white supremacy. Okay, so Ella Braveman is saying, white people are not all racist, and Dr. Charlotte Proudman kicks in the door and says, yes, I am! <laughs> exactly! Like, but Dr. Charlotte Proudman looks like your average Aryan. Like, oh, she, yeah. she couldn't look more, <laughs> more yeah. white. And she's just bursting in. Exactly. No, no, we are racist, and, quote, we should feel guilty and ashamed. Yeah. I mean, okay, Charlotte. I'm not saying that you're not a racist. No. No, no one's going to take that away from you, Charlotte, yeah. right? You can be a racist if you want. And I'm not saying you yeah. shouldn't feel guilty and ashamed. I'm just saying I'm not, and I'm not going to, yeah. okay? I actually agree with the brown lady. Mm. I agree with the white supremacist on the front of the Daily Express here. Yeah. I just, it, we live in such clown world, man. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, of course, we carry on. Uh, it, it wasn't racist, obviously. And as Suella Braverman continues to point out, um, reducing uh, immigration is also not racist. Controlling the borders, uh, it's not xenophobic to say that mass migration is not sustainable, obviously. I mean, but again, from the Home Secretary. Well, I, that's exactly what I said. Again, don't get I, me wrong, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. But... I, I posted that on Twitter as well. I was just like, you know, this Suella Braverman is the current Home Secretary. She is the yeah. person with the power to control the UK's borders. But we actually found out yesterday that she's not because she got blocked by her right? own cabinet. Oh. Uh, so ministers, she she proposed five different uh, measures to reduce the amount of immigration in the UK, and only one of these was approved in a limited way. Uh, one limited proposal would ban foreign master students bringing relatives to them uh, with them to the UK, and that is all that's been agreed by the cabinet. I mean, good, but yeah, but that's going to be a tiny proportion. Yeah, you know, how many million, you know, thousands of people are coming from foreign master students' families? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's such dropping, a drop in the bucket. It's, yeah, it's unbelievable. So yeah. it's not, it appears that Suella Braveman is not even not trying to mm. do the thing, but she's being blocked by Rishi Sunak, basically. Now, is it just Rishi Sunak? Do we, do we know well, the names they, of the people who we are don't know the names. We don't know the names, but Rishi Sunak is the prime minister, mm. so I'm going to blame him. Well, fair enough. You know, I yeah. mean, it's, it seems that the buck does stop with him, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, Stephen Edgington uh, reported for The Telegraph, millions more apparently are coming. Millions. 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 We're expecting one million net. 
Yeah, I saw that statistic. I mean, that's du double the, the previous yeah. record that was set last year. Yeah, which was 500,000. Yeah. And that's net. A million, 1.16 million came mm. in and about 600,000 left. Mm. I know I know. this doesn't need to be pointed out to, to viewers of, of this show, but, you know, it's just... <laughs> I mean, as you, as you say, it's, it, this is net that we're talking. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's going to be probably a million and a half, yeah. nearly two million coming in. Mm. I mean, you can see it everywhere. Yeah. Like, there's nowhere in Britain that's not touched by this. No. Uh, a Home Office uh, document, uh, which has been seen by The Telegraph, reveals Braverman was warned last year of upward pressure on visa applications. Applications. Mm. Applications. Applications that you can say no. Yeah, not to. approved. Go on with your day. Yeah. Uh, but anyway... Fascist. Yeah. <laughs> Not approving something? Typical fascist. Yeah. Uh, but Braverman, again, makes good points. You know, we, we should be training our own people. Mm. We should be encouraging internal markets in that way. She's not wrong at all. Uh, of course, we get LBC carrying on. Has Swallow Braverman gone too far, saying that multicultural multiculturalism is a recipe for communal disaster? I, of course, replied to this. No, she hasn't gone far enough. Uh, but that's all they can say, right? All they can say is, has she gone too far? Well, they can't say she's wrong. Mm. You know? Yeah. She's just or, strayed too far outside the Overton window. That's exactly, what they're saying. Exactly. That, well, we weren't supposed to say that, Sweller. Mm. It's like, yeah, but she's not wrong. No. You can't say she's wrong. It's obviously the case. And, the and comment, it's happening everywhere. <clears throat> the comment that she's made there, that multiculturalism is a recipe for communal disaster. I mean, multiculturalism is, is the active abandonment of integration. Yes. That's what it is. It's the prevention of integration. Yeah. The incentivization of the opposite, which yeah. we obviously are living with the consequences now. And to call that a recipe for communal disaster, to anybody with a brain, that com it completely makes total sense. I mean, to me it does at least. Because why, why wouldn't it lead to, you know, disaster is a strong word. Maybe we could use the words like tension, maybe. Why wouldn't it lead to tension with just different sort of blocks, cultural blocks living next to each other, which might have different or opposing views on things. I think we can commit to disaster. Yeah, well, I, I, as do I, as do I, yeah. <laughs> but you are you, completely correct, of course. Like, And she's correct. Angela Merkel was correct when she said it. David yeah. Cameron has said it. They've yeah. all said it. They know that multiculturalism has Blair failed. said it? I'm sure Blair said it. I'm sure Blair yeah. said it, yeah. The architect. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The architect of all of this. Um, and so Swella Braveman is right, as she's been consistently right. Um, but there are people on Twitter who point out, look, it, it's like... Um, Oh, sorry, I missed this one. Yeah, so after after Sweller Braveman said these controversially true things, uh, she was reported to the regulatory body for barristers, because, of course, she was a barrister before she mm. became a politician, uh, because they want to ban her from being a barrister ever again for, quote, racist and discriminatory narratives. Wow. The white supremacist. Well, I, I hear right, white supremacy is quite a, quite a diverse... Surprisingly <laughs> inclusive. Mm. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, as people point out on Twitter, it's like the Conservatives don't even realise that they're in power, right? Mm. Uh, cabinet ministers are giving protest speeches seemingly against themselves. Now, that's very interesting to me because I think that, in a way, they aren't, actually. Mm. Uh, and this is the very reason that NatCon even exists. This is the very reason that GB News exists. Mm. You know, the National Conservative Part Conference should be the Conservative Party Conference. Yes. That should be the mainstream Conservative Party Conference. Absolutely. But instead, yeah. that has LGBTQ pride yeah. uh, stalls and the things The Tony like Blair this. Institute. Exactly, the Tony Blair Institute, right? The, and I've made this point about GB News. The reason GB News exists is because it should be what the BBC is. Yes. You know, it should be 
the mainstream media organization, but it's not. It has to be a side thing. So what is the insurgent power that mm. has taken over these structures and why and this is the conservative <clears throat> reaction we're seeing to it. Mm. Like regrouping after being ousted from mm. their own institutions. Uh, I do think for a lot of people it's it's quite difficult to understand what it is we're talking about mm. here. Because if you look at it look at things on the face of it, we have a conservative party in government with a massive majority. Um and that to most people they will the, the thinking stops there. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, then in that case, to be left wing must be to be a dissident. Yeah. But it's actually, you look a little bit deeper, you come to understand that actually, you know, there is a, a there is a regime um, behind mm. the Conservative Party, mm. you know, the, the machinery of the managerial state, if you want, who are institutionally left wing. Yes. And that's exactly what Calvin Robinson pointed out. Uh, he said, take, he, he quoted a bunch of uh, conservatives uh, attacking the National Conservative Conference. Mm. For being socialist, which I found very interesting, mm. but these are all liberal critiques yes. that they are giving, because it's actually not socialist. It is, uh, I guess we'll call it um, slightly um, parental, or mm. uh, th that sort of, um, what's the word? It's not parental, it's... Uh, on the tip of my tongue, paternal, paternal yeah. that's what I'm looking for. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a more paternal view of mm. the society, right? Yes. That the people at the top should be looking after the people at the bottom. Yes. This is a very anti-liberal view oh, yeah. that conceives of all men created at point zero as perfect equals and with total freedom. Yeah. But that's just not simply how reality is, and this is what conservatives are recognising. Uh, the socialists also think that way mm. uh, to, the, to the liberals. But, um, but as Calvin says, this is, they are the reason the party is in a mess. And he's right. Liberals within the conservative party are the enemy within. Who needs an opposition party? Completely correct. That's right. Yeah. Totally undermined the conservative party, totally destroyed it from the inside. Uh, and, I mean, I think a, a great example of this is at the National Conservative Conference is Michael Gove. Now, I'm not saying I dislike Michael Gove on a personal level or anything like that, mm. but just this answer is just yeah, mind-boggling. I right? saw this. It's so, just astonishing. Sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah. so he said, asked to list uh, the key conservative achievements of the past year, 13 years. Michael Gove says universal credit, school reform, vocational education, a creative economy, more diverse parliament... Science policy, Ukraine leveling up. So, right. Mm. That sounds like a Lib Dem manifesto. It does. What in there is conservative? What in there is, is mm. Burkean? Yes. You know. How, I mean, strangely, no mention of Brexit, which is strange, actually. Yes. Because you would think the conservatives would be trying to hammer that point. But, of course, there are going to be lots of Remainers in the conservative party. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I don't know Michael Gove's um, background, but I, I don't know... <sighs> You know, you wonder whether somebody like him, you wonder whether this is the case for a few people in the mm. Tory party, in fact, for many people, whether they actually recognise the difference between liberalism and conservatism. Because it's been conflated, the, the terms have been conflated for so long. Yeah. In a way, you almost couldn't blame them for thinking that this is what conservatism is. Well, I mean, it, you know, when the Liberal Party essentially got subsumed by the Conservatives, mm. I mean, that was letting the wolf in. Yes. With the chickens, you yeah. know. And I, I, at the time, it probably wasn't as sinister as it is now. Mm. Because, of course, you know, compared to the insurgent Labour Party, and they're basically communists, yeah. you know, the Liberals would have seemed very reasonable mm. and on board with a lot with, of the Conservative agenda. So it mm. probably seemed pretty harmless. But we've arrived at the point now. I mean, Michael Gove was asked, you know, do you think that basically a lot of uh, some Tory MPs are basically Lib Dems? And he was like, no. Uh, if you go to the next one. And uh, sorry, no, he's wrong on this. Well, he would say that, though, wouldn't yeah. he? He, of course he would, because he's basically a Lib Dem, yeah. according to his own 
list mm. of accomplishments of the Conservative Party. I do find it interesting that this is this phenomenon that we see of cons- Conservative parties being populated by what essentially amount to classical liberals or liberals of some other stripe. Mm. It's for one thing very much a English speaking world phenomenon. Now, mm. obviously, it happens elsewhere, but we see it. I mean, you see it across America, you mm. see it across Australia, Canada, mm. and so on. Um, I wonder how much of that is because of something you've talked about in the past, which is classical liberalism in, in the Lockean sense. It is a very English uh, ideology, right? Yes. In that it is the, it's English, what I would call English principles, like free speech um, mm. and, you know, whatever else you want to yeah. list. So yeah. Essentially, you could, li- you could summarize as the rights of Englishmen. Yes. And I think that it's no surprise that somebody who that that a conserv an English conservative would look at those principles and think, well, yeah, no, I I agree with those. I mean, things. that's literally that's, our that, ancient tradition. Well, exactly. But he he agrees with those things because he's an Englishman, yes. not not for any other reason. Yes. And so it's no surprise that, as you say, the wolf gets let in under these auspices um, because it. You know, I think there is a sense, and I, I even feel this sense in myself that it is kind of appropriate that we do think in a liberal way as Englishmen. Yeah. But it's not this kind of, again, what you would call the sort of universalized um, the the comprehensive liberalism. Comprehensive liberalism. Yeah, yeah that's um, right. We, the, I'm actually going to record a podcast this afternoon mm. with, uh, with Stelios about this. Mm. So that'll be out you know, next week, probably, um, talking about this problem. And you, are, you, you make a great point about the English-speaking world's problem, though. Because if you look at continental parties, it, mm. you get a, a, a great deal of plurality, of a, a fracturing of the political landscape along stark ideological lines yes. that basically broadly lines up in coalition. Mm. And it's very interesting how we don't do that. You know, yeah. that's, that's a great point. But uh, anyway, so uh, one uh, conservative MP made a good point. Danny Kruger was like, um, families are good. The normative family, the mother and father sticking together for the sake of the children is the only basis for a safe and functioning society. Marriage is not only about you, it's a public act for uh, to live for the sake of someone else. Did he then go on to talk about how, you know, we need to ban uh, a, you know, divorce for any reason? Well, I, I wasn't at the conference, so I've only got the clips that have been put out. One wonders so, if he yeah. does, because, you know, that, but, that's the logical next step. But that's not a terribly controversial statement in and of itself. Well, no, I mean, it should, again, we're talking about this low-hanging fruit that we have here. Yeah. The family is good. Yeah. But I mean, again, at the end of the day, at least they're finding their foundations. Right? Well, yeah, no, at least absolutely. They're elucidating... and, and, and I don't want to be negative here, yeah, because exactly. this is good. Yeah. Um, but it, it shows the dire state that the country's yeah. in, right? Uh, but even more dire than that, uh, it seems that Rishi Sunak has rejected this proposition. Doesn't agree, right? Uh, a spokesman for the Prime Minister told journalists that this is not the government's view. The spokesman told uh, said that the government minister speaking at the conference did not mean that the government endorsed all the views there. Uh, when pressed on whether Sunak agreed with Kruger about normative family being the only basis for a safe and functioning society, the spokesman simply replied, no. Well, what does he think is the foundation of a safe and functioning society then? Is it, it the individual? What do you mean, no? Yeah. What do you mean, no? Well, yeah, exactly. What, what, what is? Yeah. You know, how do good individuals... Yeah, exactly. What could be? Yeah. What, how do good individuals get raised? Are we going to move in some sort of brave new world where we get decanted out of a baby generator and then raised in like state nurseries? Is that the fun foundation of a good society? Like, what are you asking for? It just, but just new. Okay. Why? I mean, why? I, I just can't understand why someone like Rishi Sunak, who I mean, I, he's not a, cons- a particularly conservative no. politician. He's, he's very Lib Demish, isn't he? He is, but I just can't understand why he would say something like that. Because what again, you have to ask the question: Well, what what does he think is the foundation of society? Then, because the conservative, I would say, 
<clears throat> the conservative perspective is that the family is the fundamental unit of society, not the individual. I mean, this is the Lockean liberal perspective. Yeah. Locke, Locke believed that societies first came together as what he called conjugal societies in man and women. Yes. Getting yeah. married, having children, and then these groups... And a few families as, get together, yeah, and, form a village, and, and so on. And, yeah. and this, this train of thought goes back to Aristotle, who thought exactly the same mm. thing. So it's, you know, it far predates, you know, liberalism, because it seems to be the way that society is built. Nature? Yeah, exactly. It's, it it yeah. seems to be how things actually are, mm. right? So I would love to know what Rishi Sunak's opinion on that is. But anyway... Moving on, uh, Douglas Murray uh, gave a speech, which I don't doubt was amazing, but there was one part in the speech uh, that he framed something in a way that really stoked the ire of the left. Uh, he said, I see no reason why every other country in the world should be prevented from feeling pride in itself because the Germans mucked up twice in a century. As a Jew, the laughter and round of applause after he says the Germans mucked up uh, nationalism genuinely makes me physically sick. Let's not use euphemisms. Nazi's bad. So yes, Nazi's bad. Um, the reason that this got Douglas Murray in such trouble is because he put himself in the same frame, spoke within the frame uh, that included the Nazis. Mm. Uh, and I don't think that we should be speaking within the frame that includes the Nazis. I don't think he meant that either. It's not helpful. It's, it, I, but what he's saying is true. Yes, what he is saying is true. But the framing of it is um, obviously uh, British irony, mm. uh, but it does lend you to being vulnerable from attacks from uncharitable people who will say, see, he's saying he's a Nazi and the Nazis just got it wrong. Yeah. Right? And that's not what he's saying, obviously. Mm. He's mm. saying that, look, just because the Germans are mental doesn't mean that we can't love our country. Um, small mistake there, but again, it, uh, it takes a very uncharitable reading to give that interpretation. Anyone who is familiar with Douglas Murray will be like, well, he's not a Nazi. No, so he's not in support of the Nazis. Yeah. So anyway, um, one thing that I did like was Matt Goodwin's speech. I, I like how understated Matt Goodwin is, mm. because if you actually read what he says, I read I, I read his entire subsect, it was really good. Uh, if you actually read what he says, uh, it's quite radical, actually, uh -huh. but he presents it in a very moderate and temperate way. Well, that's, I mean, that has to be the strategy. I mean, you yes. speak, uh, us both here as sensible centrists, of course. Very much. <clears throat> that has to be the strategy. Yes, absolutely. Um, but uh, even, I'll, I'll just read a quick quote from it. Uh, the the people got a Conservative Party which had failed. They got a party which no longer knows what it, what it is or what it wants. They got a party that still thinks it's living in 1988 rather than 2023. They got a party so obsessed with rehashing old arguments about economic freedom that it's failed to realise that many voters are also crying out for cultural freedom. Mm. Freedom from mass immigration, stifling political correctness, and a dogmatic new elite. That's excellent. Now, the, the, yeah. the attacking of the economic there is what I really like. Yeah, me too. Because that's something that I am very, very, I feel very strongly about, is this this monomaniacal focus on on yeah. economic, on growth, on, yeah. you know... Libertarian view. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I think that's yeah, very strong. Yeah, and we'll finish on this. Uh, this has gone on a bit, but there's a lot here. And Connor's going to go on way more about this tomorrow, but I think it's really worth it. Uh, David Starkey, uh, a quick report from Connor here at the uh, event. Um, Starkey's address to the National Conservative Talk Conference was excellent. Uh, each British revolution has been to preserve its institutions from contamination by progressive forces. Reverence for Anglo culture must not be conflated with nationalisms for other failed continental European traditions, or browbeat into self-effacing apologies by activists who seek to tear our civilization asunder to build atop the ashes their self-empowering but impossible utopian ideological projects. I mean, you know, every word is symphony as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Kind of really well done. Um, but uh, I uh, personally, I'm really looking forward to his coverage tomorrow because it's going to be a lot more in depth than mine because mm. I wasn't there. Um, but uh, generally, I view the conservative uh, national conservative conference as a win. Yeah, well, as we were saying, you know, it's 
<clears throat> we have to take our wins where we can because we are the dissidents oh, in yeah. this in this political oh, yeah. system. So when we see you know people like this all getting together in a room, I mean, we were saying you've got Jacob Rees-Mogg and Michael Gove on stage, <clears throat> and then you've got someone like Alex Alex Kashuta mm. who has interviewed people like Curtis Yarvin, mm. and it's like these people are in the same room together yeah. talking to the same crowd, you know, in the mm. same green room perhaps. Mm. Um, and that, that can only be a good thing. Because, yeah. you know, we, we talk on the right so much about the importance of organisation and about how, you know, the organised 100 will always defeat the disorganised 1,000. Well, yep. that's, what this, that, that's what that looks like. This is what that looks like. And the reaction the left has had to this clearly shows we're over the target. Mm. If this was something comical that they, had no, they, mm. they didn't feel threatened by, they'd just be like, look mm. you idiots. And they carry on with their day. Instead, they're freaking out and calling everything names. Yes. Okay, well, you're over the target. So uh, keep going. Anyway, let's go on to Blairism on steroids, because... Uh, yes, let's. Yeah, go on. <laughs> so I'm going to be talking about how Keir Starmer's Labour Party seemed to be replicating the strategy uh, employed by um, Tony Blair and New Labour in the mid-90s. Um, and this is the kind of, the sort of flank from the right, present themselves as conservatives uh, strategy. Um, so before we begin, I would really encourage viewers to go and watch um, this uh, segment from December, where Carl and Martin Daubney go through uh, some of the plans that Labour have for us as laid out in their manifesto, um, because it is seriously, seriously radical stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. And and people think that Starmer's a really boring idiot. Mm. Uh, and he is a really boring idiot, so they're not wrong. Mm. But he also has an insanely radical manifesto. Mm. They don't realise... Because it's stuff that they've heard from America or France, mm. they don't realise the damage that would do to Britain. Because oh, we're yeah. not a social contract society. No. And see, I find it interesting you've picked up on the fact that Starmer is boring there. Because he absolutely is. I mean, we're actually going to watch a few, a few clips of him during yeah. this. So I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to subject you to his yeah. droning, you know, <laughs> sort you. of school deputy <laughs> head voice. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> that, that, that sort of boring... Uh, quality that he has, I, I think that's actually probably part of the strategy, right? Mm. Because the the sort of flavour of the Labour that we're getting now is very different. As much as they're replicating the strategy of Tony Blair's new Labour, mm. it's, it has a different flavour to that because it feels a lot more... Um, I mean, for one thing, Tony Blair was a young guy. A lot of it was about, you know, it was things can only get better, energy, yeah, excitement, yeah. and so on. There was also a kind of... In, in, I, I'm old enough to remember. Mm. Uh, there was a kind of cultural zeitgeist of cool Britannia yeah, at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he, you know, he, had a, he was sort of he was tapping hanging around it, with yeah, Oasis yeah. and all this yeah, sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, blur, yeah. Yeah. Um, but this, this, this kind of... In, um, incarnation of Labour that we're seeing emerging now, it does have a different flavour to it than Blair's Labour because it is a lot more dry and managerial. Yeah, it's kind of a post-apocalyptic flavour. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, It's the end of the revolution as opposed yeah. to the we're, start. We're literally living in the ruins of Britain. Yeah. And Keir Starmer's like, yeah, so we're going to finish the job. Mm. So. The ashes of civilization, yeah. as they say. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to, before we before we go on, I do just want to go through just a couple of the things that are mentioned in this uh, manifesto. Mm -hmm. um, John, if you wouldn't mind just going to the, to the Labour one first. Um, but just to remind viewers of, of what it is that they are actually offering us here. Now, first of all, I just want to say this graphic on the front of the... Yeah, look at that. <laughs> I mean, that's literally look. Britain as a geometric society. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah that's Burke a great could point. Be rolling in his grave. Yeah, I, I hate it. Yeah, I hate it. It's Horrible. the least aesthetic thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. So the just, manager's just, view of Britain. Exactly. Oh, yeah. God, no. So just, just very briefly. So on page 67, Labour tell us that they are seeking to transform our country, um, <laughs> seeking to turn us from essentially a traditional nation yeah. into a propositional nation, um, a kind of, so, as, as you say, a social contract society. 
On page 11, we have the abolition of the undemocratic House of Lords to be replaced by a second elected chamber. Um, And obviously, this is a policy shared by several parties like Reform UK, who are nominally the largest dissident right wing party in the country, Um, although their local election numbers obviously don't bode too well. Um, But something like for me, something like this, something like reforming the House of Lords is so far down my list of priorities, especially when the reason given is better. The the reason given is better quality of government. And to me, expanding the quantity of government is the is the last thing you would do to to yield that end, because what that does, I mean, that kind of. In my opinion, that gives sort of these sort of emboldened managerial busybodies yeah. just more opportunities to yeah. to fiddle about with the machinery of the state and expand their remit. Yeah, one one of the things one of the things that uh, people fail to understand with the House of Lords is not only is it useful to have a repository of people who don't have to worry about democracy right? getting re-elected. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that every five years that is not their issue. Mm. Uh, they also don't get to tamper very much. Mm. They don't get to do anything to my yeah. life. Oh, yeah. They literally can't do anything yeah. to my life. So. Fine. Yeah. And beyond that, do you know what? From a from an aesthetic point of view, I like that we have our Oh yeah, awards. me too, man. Yeah. You know, I think it's an great. ancient institution and I'm not a yeah. fan of upending ancient mm. things for fashionable continental ideas. Yeah. And and the carpet in there is red because they are yeah. important and regal, not green. But like, also like the colors. whole thing looks amazing. It looks yeah. like Harry Potter, you know. Absolutely. And, like, and that, yeah. that's that's good. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. But, anyway, but yeah. no, it must be it must be replaced by a by a rationally ordered democratic representative chamber. Well, this is the thing. Like, I don't know why we can't actually argue from the perspective of aesthetics, right? Mm. Like Scrutonian, like look, beauty matters. Yes. And how we feel about how country we feel matters. about the thing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I I feel that there should be a House of Lords. Yeah. I just feel that. Way. Yeah. I'm not even going to justify enough. myself. Yeah, exactly. It's enough. I'm not going to justify myself. Mm. Sorry, John. Um, so, uh, yeah, just very quickly moving on. So, but page 46, we have an equalisation of legacy, what we might call legacy British identities. So English, Welsh, Scottish and Irish. Equalisation uh, of the USA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, with, uh, with nouveau British identities. And the oh. document lists uh, British, Jamaican, Pakistani, Indian, Turkish and Cypriot yeah. uh, as examples. Right. Um, arguing that British identity is civic in nature, which I... It's actually it is, a position yeah, yeah true, I could yeah. be won over to. Because yeah. at this point, I do think British is to the United Kingdom as American is to the United States. Yeah. Purely, a, a, essentially a bureaucratic identity. Yeah. Um, which, as it happens, is why I consider myself, like you, first and foremost, an Englishman. Because yes. that's far more difficult to peel away from the sort of spiritual and maybe ethnic roots. Yeah, well, that's, um, it is an ethnic identity. Yeah. Um, and the document finally only contains three mentions of the word immigration, uh, despite listing data on page 48 that indicates that lowering immigration um, is one of the highest priorities for both England and Wales. Now, it says it's the eighth highest priority for these places. I would imagine it's probably higher than that. That's just going well, off Well, the Lord Ashcroft polls uh, indicated that it was people's second highest priority in Brexit. Well, there we go. Uh, and yet the document only lists that word three times, yeah. not giving any actual substance on what Labour are going to do about it. Right. Nevertheless, let's move on. Um, we've also got Keir Starmer. So if you just want to open, yeah, just we're just going to watch this. Um, talk, Keir Starmer talking about how he thinks that settled EU citizens should be allowed to vote in the UK. <sighs> If someone has been here, say, 10, 20, 30 years uh, contributing to this economy, part of our community, they ought to be able to vote. Let me bring it alive. I've obviously knocked on a lot of doors in the last few years. And you go to doors sometimes in general election and you're met with someone who says, look, I'm an EU citizen. I've been living here for 30 years. I'm married to a Brit. Um, my kids were raised and brought up here. They're now working in the UK. Um, I'm even work, you know, well working in lots of community projects, etc. But I can't vote. 
Um, and I think there's a, there's a, that, that feels wrong and something ought to be done about. When someone has, you know, let's just take someone who's been here for 30 years, has literally put down their roots here, as I say, married to a Brit, their kids are here. They, this is their country, this is where they live, this is where they contribute. I think it's very hard to say, well, you should really be voting back in your country of origin where you haven't been living for 30 years. That actually just doesn't, doesn't pass the common sense test for me. Kia, they do vote in their own countries. Yeah. They're citizens of their own countries. Yeah. I think we should just first of all make sure viewers are still awake. Yes. Yeah. So. But no, Kia, I just feel that you're wrong. So no, mm. I hate it. It's just, it just, again, if we, if we want to speak about how we feel about our country, this, it, is, this is totally wrong. Feels extending totally the franchise wrong. to foreigners, yeah. I don't agree with. Yeah. British citizens only. Mm. Yeah, and on extending the franchise, Keir Starmer also, yeah. uh, well, this, he said this is not official policy, but he's spoken before about how he wants to lower the age of voting to 16 years old. Yeah. Which is just an yeah. amazing idea. Raise it to 25. Yeah, raise it further. 35. Abolish it altogether. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, if we're, we're going to stay within the frame of democracy, maybe mm. about 40, uh, then we'll have the country we want, trust me. <laughs> I mean, speaking as somebody who's 21 years old, I, I can't help but agree with you, right? <laughs> Um, but no, I mean, as, uh, as Count Dankula says, it's yeah. uh, funny how a leftist party needs to admit they need to import and bribe voters from overseas or allow impressionable and completely compl politically illiterate 16-year-olds to vote to have any chance of winning. Totally true. Totally true. Like, what's your constituency, Keir? Why isn't no, it the exactly. majority of the British public? Yeah. Like, why is it literally aliens and children? Aliens and children. <laughs> like, why is that? Anyway. Yeah. So I, I just want to encourage viewers to keep keep these policies and these talking points in mind as yeah. we sort of move through the discussion. OK, um, so I now want to I, I want to turn to Labour's emerging strategy um, now. So I want to start by just comparing some of Labour's social media posts. Um, so I want to show you this one first. This was Labour's St. George's Day post in 2021. Right. Mm -hmm. So, John, if we could just if we could just watch this. During this pandemic, we've seen the huge sacrifice made by those on the front line across England, from Devon to Darlington. You've worked together to get us through. This pandemic has shown just how vital and important our key workers are. So this St George's Day, we're saying thank you to everyone who has kept us all fed and kept us all going during the pandemic. This year, across the country, we've all seen just how amazing our frontline staff are. You've made us all so proud. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. This St George's Day, I want to thank the extraordinary work of our NHS and frontline workers for all you've done and continue to do to keep us safe. Right across England, our key workers have stepped up and this service and commitment means that there is now light at the end of the tunnel. On behalf of the Labour Party, okay, we can leave that there. I want. Now, did you notice anything missing from that? Well, I didn't see a single English flag. One mention of England, no images of the St George's Cross. No. Instead, we have a celebration of NHS staff, which, to be fair, is not entirely improper, right? Using sure. a national holiday that like yep. St George's Day yep. to celebrate people that we value and that we care about. But when it's done in place of any semblance of, you know, celebration of, of our nation and our people, then it comes across as extremely cynical to me. No, it's just Labour's stock talking points. Yeah. Just, and we're doing this on St George's Day. We mm. do it every other day as well. Yeah. So it's not special or interesting and or patriotic. Yeah, frankly. it's just a dodge. Yeah. Yeah. Very diverse as well. I agree. Um, so 
now I just want to compare this to the 2023 um, post that Labour put out for St George's Day. Now, I'm not the first person to uh, cover this, of course, mm. but here we have full frontal flag shagging. Yes. Right? Finally. Well, indeed. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, just look at the difference in tone yeah. compared to the, to the one just two years ago. Yeah. Right? I think that's a really, really powerful thing because it might seem like a strange place to start looking at just you know, what amounts to social media posts and pictures. Mm. But imagery is important and symbolism is powerful. Mm. And so something like this, the message that this sends compared to the message that the 2021 post mm. sends, it's worlds apart. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So some some uh, Tony Blair Institute political strategist mm. has definitely sat down with them and go, no, on St. George's Day, you put an England flag. Yes. Otherwise, exactly. the people in England will not think you're mm. one of them. Mm. Absolutely. Um, so if we could just move on to uh, the, the next link, John. So here are just some more imagery that they've put out. More flag shagging, right? And they've, they used this graphic every single time they won a uh, council seat. Well, this this is, was it the, uh, I can't remember if it was a 2021 or 2022 mm. uh, Labour conference. Mm. I think it's the 2022 Labour conference where they had a giant Union Jack in the back. Mm. Of it, right? Yes. And all it was was Corbynistas going, oh my God, this is like a Nazi rally. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. That's how, far, that's how far gone mm. the Corbynistas are. I just briefly want to say as well, just, just as an aside, this graphic here, I think this could be you. This could be any British party. party. Yeah, okay. This could be reform. This could yeah. be Tories. I yeah. think it just speaks to the aesthetic deadness of our politics. Yeah, there's all this managerial minimalism. Yeah, well, that was, yeah, I was going to say, like, I hate the sort of abstract nature of it. Yeah. Uh, like the, the broken lines yeah. in it. To uh, GB News suffered from this as well. Yeah, they I had agree. that kind of yeah. abstract minimalism aesthetic, and it's like, mm. no, make yourselves look like you're in a country house, please, yeah. like yeah. a country estate. I totally That's agree. what people wanted. Traditional. Yeah, exactly. Not, not and, horrible and modern like this. Yeah, exactly. This this is kind of gross modernism, but yeah. you are right. It could be any party. Yeah, you're, absolutely. you're absolutely right. It could be any party. Yeah. Um, so next, I just want to have a look at uh, another post that the Tories have put out. So it's, it's the end of this post. There's a little animation um, that I, John, if you could just play that for us, I just want to show this to viewers. Um, I mean, it's an accurate representation go. of the conservatives. Well, it is. I actually really like this, right? Yeah. I think it's spot on. But the yeah. criticism that this that this animation is levelling is a very interesting one. Mm. I think what Labour are actually saying here is mm. the conservatives have failed to to nurture and protect protect yeah. the, the tree of Britain, if yeah. you want. Instead, yeah. they've abused it and neglected it and let it die. Yeah. And that's a very, very interesting thing coming from Keir Starmer's yeah. Labour, who, as you, we know, <laughs> have intentions to transform the country. But you planted the poison seeds. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the, your seed... You, Anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. But this, uh, again, I just find it really interesting mm. that the criticism that's being levelled here is mm. the Conservatives have failed in their duty as Conservatives. Well, I mean, Keir Starmer actually said that, didn't Yes, he? well, he did. And that's yeah. actually what we're going to go on to next. Yeah. Um, so we're going to have a look at this. Uh, <laughs> the Labour of the real Conservatives. Oh, yeah. God. So this was a, a day after <laughs> that, that post was put out. Um, yeah. This is what the IA reported, that Labour are going to um, claim that they are the real Conservatives and they're going to protect our yeah. way of life. Um, and Ke Keir Starmer gave a speech at the uh, Progressive Britain yeah. conference. Um, and Promising to change his party's DNA like Tony Blair on steroids. Tony Blair on steroids. As if that's not what we've had but for the, the last is, 13 years. Well, that's the point, though. That's what he's, that's what he's saying. He's like, no, look, you conservatives, you're not doing Blairism properly. Yeah. Right? Because Cameron was explicit that he was essentially bringing in Blairism. Mm. And, of course, that, Blair. make, that, exactly, that makes the conservatives the... Uh, arbiters of the Blair project mm. and Keir Starmer is not wrong where he's like no you, you're screwing this up mm. because the conservatives are like well we don't feel like we should be doing this but yeah. we have to do this mm. so they've got no positive confidence they can't say it with their chest yes right? no absolutely and, but Keir Starmer what he's doing now mm. is saying right so Blairism is what conservatism is yes. in this country yeah. And it's just like, I hate everything about well, this. Well, a quote from the speech is, uh, he says this is about taking our party back to where we belong and where we should have always been 
And I think that that speaks to the whole this this sort yeah. of the attitude to talk about, where it is the proper way of doing politics in this country. The only way we do politics is in this country. Tony is, Blair's is way of Blairist. Way, yes. Yeah. God. Yeah. So um, we're going to watch just a few clips uh, of this speech just to get a flavour of the Go type on. of uh, messaging that Labour are going yeah, with God. here. So if we could just watch this first one. But if work doesn't pay, if living standards are falling, bills are rising, holidays start to feel out of reach, family life does feel more fragile. But when you look out of your window and see your community changing, high streets boarded up, fly tipping, antisocial behaviour, drugs and crime, that does gnaw away at your confidence in the future. But if you see an economy that hoards power and potential, where the Southeast creates the wealth and the only answer that's offered is redistribution, that doesn't treat our communities with the dignity or respect that they deserve. And most of all, that patriotism is about putting the country first, about serving your country, not just parading its symbols like the Tories do but that working people do need to see your commitment to service, not some kind of patronising contempt for those who fly our flag. I mean, just listen to that language. Right? That, that, but that, that is not the language of a leftist. No, that's the language that the Conservatives should have been using. Yeah. I mean, do you find anything in that to be particularly no. disagreeable? No. I, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not getting sucked into no, the, know, the Blairite, know. you know, I know, not looking into the eye of sound. It's, it's a very cunning trick. It really is. But seriously, this, this language, family life, community, yeah. dignity, respect, patriotism, our flag. The, the way that things are changing. Yeah. And, it's like, and then he speaks to boarded up... Uh, town centres. Yeah, yeah that, that's one of the problems. Mm. But things are changing in much more dramatic yeah. ways that you can't talk about. Mm. Deeply know? Burkean, though, I thought. Thick language, as it's, you would call it. It's definitely what he's appealing to. Yeah. It's a, it's a lie, it's a trick, mm. but he's definitely appealing to that. Yeah, for sure. So, just, uh, we're going to watch this next clip where he really drives this point home. But I, to be honest, I don't, I don't think the language of stability comes naturally to progressive politics. I think... <laughs> Too often we dismiss it as conservative, yeah, obviously. as a barrier to change. Now, don't mistake me, the very best of progressive politics is found in our determination to push Britain forward. A hunger, an ambition, that we can seize the opportunities of tomorrow and make them work for working people. But this ambition must never become unmoored from working people's need for stability, for order, for security. We must understand that there are precious things in our way of life, in our environment, in our communities, that it's our responsibility to protect and preserve, to pass on to future generations. And look, if that sounds conservative, then let me tell you, I don't care. Somebody has got to stand up for the things that make this country great, and it isn't going to be the Tories. That, in the end, is one of the great failures of the last 13 years. A Tory party that, in generations past, saw itself as the protector of the nation and the union, has undermined both, has taken an axe to the security of family life, trashed Britain's reputation abroad, has totally lost touch with the ordinary hope of working people. The Conservative Party can no longer claim to be Conservative. It conserves nothing of value. Not our rivers or seas, not our NHS or BBC, not our families, not our nation. But the lesson for progressives must be that if a tide of change threatens to sweep away the stability working people need, 
We have to be in there, fighting for security, just as fervently as we fight against injustice. Now, first of all, I want to apologise for subjecting you to so much kids. No, no, no. I just feel like I'm being massively gaslit. Yes. I mean, again, what he literally their... has progressive Britain. Yes. We are the party of change. Yes. And he's saying the Conservatives have not conserved. And therefore, essentially what he's saying is the Conservatives have a duty to stop us from doing the things we want to do. Yeah. And they've not done it. And so now we have to stop us from doing the things yeah. we wanted to do. Yeah. Because they went ahead and bloody did them. Yeah. Like, that's mad. It's just and, hilarious. Oh, God, the politics in this country are just insufferable. But again, what, <laughs> do you find anything in there to no. be particularly disagreeable? I mean, again... Apart from the fact that he's literally saying, look, we can't help ruining everything and you were meant to restrain us yes. and you didn't. Like, apart from and you, the did it, you did more than us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And now we're, we've got to hold you back. Mm. Apart from the massive gaslighting of all of this, no, the actual substance of it, of course I agree, mm. you know, because it's a conservative message. Yeah, absolutely. But again, <sighs> you know, our, our this, our that, town, community, and family, yeah. respect, stability, order, security, and a responsibility to protect and preserve. This, these are words that should be coming out of the mouth mouth of every conservative politician in this country. Not with, Michael with, Gove, though. Well, indeed. Didn't come out of Michael Gove's mouth, did they? No. Diversity came out of Michael Gove's mouth. Well, indeed. But it is, I mean, it's just amazing that this is this is what the Labour Party are mm. sort of transitioning into. Now, as you say, it is a enormous gaslighting operation, mm. but it, it, I think it will work. Oh, yeah. And the Conservatives are so weak. Yeah. So deserving of a kicking at mm. this point. I mean, even Keir Starmer can't screw this up. No. And we've and we've just been been subjected to two minutes of him, and it felt like a lifetime. It did, yeah, yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> I just want, I've got one more clip of this speech to show you, and then we'll move on. Um, mm. And this, I think, this clip really reveals. Um, I don't know, reveals what's underneath all of this gaslighting. Right. Okay. okay. So, John, if we could have that next one, please. Alongside dynamic government, you need that sense of collective purpose. It's essential for our five missions, for everything we want to achieve in government. It's how we make our streets safe, tear down barriers to opportunity, become a clean energy superpower, build an NHS fit for the future, and push our country forward to the highest sustained growth in the G7. And not just any old growth, growth that truly serves working people, that understands the need for stability, raises living standards everywhere, comes from the grassroots focuses on productivity in every community, not just redistribution. See secure, well-paid jobs as the litmus test of our politics and puts communities in charge of their own destiny. A new course, a break not just from labor arguments of the past, but also from the traditional Westminster model. This is what I mean by mission-led government. And it's why I'm not afraid to use the language of take back control. There's no hope in these times for a stand-aside state. <clears throat> now, full on managerialism. Though. I was going to say, this is just full on managerialism. Yeah. Anybody who's read their Oakshot will recognise that yeah. what Keir Starmer is talking about here is the enterprise state. Yeah. The state that has a teleology, mm. right? And, you know, there's some of this language, like, you know, a collective mission, all that sort of thing. That's good. That's quite Carlylean. But actually. then he gets into productivity. Yes. And it's, all, it's all about, about GDP and yeah, growth. GDP exactly. and so on. Right. But it is, I mean, again, I'm not going to sit here and call Keir Starmer a fascist because that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but it is, it's, it comes from the same place. This, this need to use the machinery yeah. of the state um, in, in a way that is, again, uh, a, 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 in conformity with some rationally derived project. Yeah. And it's totalizing. Right. It is totalizing. I mean, he says, oh, it's the entire country. It's like, yes. okay, 
come down. What if I don't mm. want you to screw with you know my business, mm. for example, Keir? But there's you know? no place for a stand-aside state, state now. Can't exactly. Apparently. And it, it's not his fault because he's not that bright, clearly. <laughs> uh, I mean, just look at that expression. Yeah. The lights don't appear to be on. No. Um, but the man should be managing a, a cinema in, in yeah, yeah. Swindon. Yeah, no, literally. <laughs> you know, we, we do need a good cinema manager, actually. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Kier. But yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm not happy about this. Yeah. So, and just as a final <clears throat> thing, he does <clears throat> end the speech by saying that he's going to push the country to the highest sustained growth in the G7. So again, the the league table rears yeah, its head. Yeah, again. the competitive GDP graph. Yes. Because that, I mean, that again, for all this yeah. talk of community and pre you know, preservation, handing down to yeah. our children, rivers, seas, countryside, this, that, and the other, this is the true face of the Labour Party. Yeah. This, is what, this is what the actual priorities are. You can see very much that the Tony Blair advice mm. that he has received is like, no, look, speak in these sort of patriotic, yeah, almost terms. populist. Populist yeah. terms, yeah. But that's a veneer on top of the yes. managerial engine yes. that is running the whole thing. It's Absolutely. very clear that he still thinks this way. Yeah. Oh, totally right. Um, so I thought we'd move on to just a few reactions to uh, to yep. this. Um, just a few, because I, I imagine we're running out of time. We're um, a bit, but it's okay. But, so, if we could just have a, yeah, so, we've got here Ben Harris-Quinney saying, not only is this government, uh, this, this conservative government, the most left-wing in UK history, more tax, more debt, more immigration, more yeah. wokery, it isn't just the, to the left of the last Labour government, it's to the left of the current Labour Party in opposition. Now, I agree with the first half of that, of course, yeah. but this is somebody who has been... Um, duped as far as i'm concerned yeah because the yeah. labor party is not to, to the to the right of no. the conservative party as much as they might be presenting themselves as such their yeah. actual policies <laughs> are just yeah. a, are just an acceleration of what the tories are already doing yeah the the they as far as far as they're concerned essentially what they're saying is it wasn't real blairism yeah uh it's just no 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 you've done this wrong if when we're in power we'll do it right mm. you know the mission will still continue yes uh he is right they're not to the right no. it's just they're they've got a very uh slick presentation yeah they do and the next one john if you don't mind um apologies for the language on there but yeah. again it's the same the same idea mm. here being you know somebody else who's been duped um you know a right-wing labor party god i wish uh you know, yeah <laughs> can you one could, only, one could only dream <laughs> yeah yeah um and the next one john um again hasn't yeah. got a left to speak of right now which to you and i is just an astonishing thing to say yeah but that just goes shows just how far left these people well are. exactly again it, it, it reveals the overton window yeah because yeah, these people think that <laughs> these people think that the uh the conservative party are enacting policies the bnp campaigned on a few years ago i mean come on where yeah where point to the policies the bnp were like yes we'd like a million immigrants in please yeah. no they weren't no they weren't classic bnp yeah. policy that <laughs> um yeah, I mean, and these next few are, are essentially yeah. the same thing. The illusion of political left and right choice, again, correct, but this is looking at it from the opposite direction, <laughs> yeah. as if as if the right are in, you know, patriots in control. Yeah, th this is literally looking at it from the most extreme communist position. Exactly. So, yeah. well, sorry, I wanted utter anarchy. Yeah. Um, but there we are, neoliberal yeah. misleadership of Keir Starmer. Now, I think neoliberal is a better framing yeah. um, than, than calling him right-wing. I do think the term yeah. neoliberal has kind of lost its meaning through overuse. Sure, but, the, if, but if you are to define it as um, an essentially extreme libertarianism, mm. Mm. Uh, then, yeah, Keir Starmer is yeah. a managerial libertarian type in that mould. Um, just... I don't know, libertarian is the wrong word, really, because mm. the Americans are going to take pick up on that. Yeah. Like, Hang on a second. That's a uh, good thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, but also because it implies low taxes in a yeah. small state. Uh, no, but this this sort of, it is, a, you know, an extremely ideologically liberal, mm. uh, total managerial 
states yes. that Keir Starmer is offering. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which is in no way right wing. No, absolutely so not. So I just want to finish up here because, as I say, I imagine we're running out of time. Yeah. You're right. This is exactly all, how I felt about pitching it. Pitching Blairism on steroids as the real conservatism, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and that is what's happening. That's what we're seeing. Um, and I just want to finish off with a, a quote from Peter Hitchens, actually, mm. uh, from the Abolition of Britain, <clears throat> where he says, the 1997 election was a historic choice between two utterly different ideas of Britain, a choice which had little to do with economics or even politics and mm. everything to do with the far more important issue of what kind of people we are. Mm. And that's obviously correct. That's totally right. Yeah. But I just want yeah. to point out that despite sort of ostensibly rerunning the, the, the 1997 Labour project, in 2023, this, this choice that Hitchens is talking about, about what kind of people we are, we, are, we don't have that. No, because we what are. we have is, to, we, we live yeah. in, the, in the post-revolution era. Mm. We have the nominal choice between uh, a right-wing conservative party and a left-wing Labour party. But the reality is these parties are populated by the same type of people. And they all have the same, they, all, they might disagree on, on details, mm. but they have the same fundamental vision of what constitutes good government. And that is this kind of top-down, rationally ordered. It's the things you, you guys always talk about. The mm. managerial state, mm. uh, the attitude that the only government worth pursuing, the only type of governance worth pursuing, is that which can be recorded on a spreadsheet, that which can be expressed in, st in statistics. Mm. Whereas actually, people like you and I would recognise that that is a seriously anti-human and anti-traditional mm. way of viewing the business of government. And that actually, it should be a kind of... Um, you know, the government ultimately should be, a, a, as Oakeshott would call it, an, a neutral umpire in, in the proceedings. The, the way I look at it is that essentially the government shouldn't be able to measure in numbers mm. whether they're doing a good job or not. Yes, because right? it, it should be about quality, yeah, and, and it, Yeah, exactly. It should be that, you know, they walk into their constituency and are the people there happy to see them? Mm. You know, do the people there just look happy in their communities? Yeah. Is everyone, you know, are we flourishing in a visual, aesthetic way? Yes. And if we're not, then, and we're clearly not at the moment, mm. then it doesn't matter what the numbers say. Yeah. It just doesn't matter but, what know, the, the GDP is. Yeah. You know? we, we see the reign of quantity in all yeah. areas, don't we? Yes. And government's no different. Anyway, let's, uh, let's move on to the Eurovision Song Contest is not something I watch and uh, I don't care about at all. But one part of it kind of pricked me the other day. Just a, it's a needle in the back of the head sort of... What are you doing? Um, because the person who was chosen to represent us uh, had tweeted out, I hate Britain. How is that possible? How is the British representative in the Eurovision Song Contest or any any walk of life, anywhere where you, you get to wave the national flag and you say, I am represent here to the country. Yeah, I'm here to make present Britain. Mm. And it's a 25-year-old Londoner who's like, yeah, I hate Britain. I mean, we, could, we can only be thankful that it wasn't quite to the level of the German Oh well, we'll get the German to, act. We'll get to the German act in a minute. You're right, though. I mean, that is just. I mean, it's not. In many ways, it's not surprising. No, we see this every single day. This sort yeah. of demoralization. But it's just. It's just depressing whenever it is yeah. shown. And I'm. I'm sick of. But what are essentially just Britain <clears throat> hating miserable communists, mm. uh, being the people that others get to see from us. Yeah. Uh, but before we go on, if you want to support us, go to lowcities.com, sign up, watch the concept of representation, which. I think it's a deeply important book. And I, I don't know how I came across this. It was just, everyone always talks about representation and no one ever explores what it actually means. And that was the only deep dive by a philosopher that I could find about it. And it's really, really useful. Uh, to summarize though, the most important thing is just think about what is being made present, which is otherwise absent, mm. right? In the, the thing that is representing and what is being represented. This is why mm. Rishi Sunak uh, has Dilwali in number 10 and mm. India erupts in celebrations. It's like, yes, that's weird, mm. isn't it? But it's actually not weird because if you think well, what's being made present from the perspective of the Indians, well, 
as you can see, uh, mm. Diwali is not a British holiday, is it? Anyway, moving on. Uh, this is just before the Eurovision Song Contest, and uh, this was just an article because I was learning about it, basically. Um, but uh, I'm just going to read out some some things from it because, like I said, I'm not an expert. I don't watch the Eurovision Song Contest, but I just found this interesting. Um, so this uh, May Muller, 25-year-old Londoner, will hope to continue the UK's wild uptick in Eurovision fortune with her cheetah-dissing pop anthem, I Wrote a Song. Just think about that. That's I, what, that's, that's that what represents Britain. Yeah, I wrote a song, right? And the whole thing, I'm not going to subject you to any of it mm. uh, for copyright reasons, but also for your own sanity. Yeah. Um, it's you. literally just a song about her, her being dumped by a boyfriend and writing a song about it. Very postmodern. Very. It's just the most atomized individual. Mm. Like, I'm thinking of me. I, I'm ostensibly representing your entire country. Mm. And it's just me, 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 I, 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 I. It's like, right, okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying you have to write a song about Britain or anything like that. I'm saying that the tenor and the, the content of the song that you choose does say a lot about this country. Yeah. Or at least says a lot about London. Anyway. Wow, indeed. Uh, yeah, and she's got the worst accent, just the worst London accent. And it's just like, I'm sure she's a lovely person. I'm not saying she's done anything wrong here necessarily, but it's just, this is very revealing mm. about what kind of country we are, right? Yes. But uh, like I so said, we'll get to the, the German one. It is mm. very revealing about what kind of country the Germans are. Very quickly are. as well, you, yeah, we were talking about the concept of representation mm. there. I mean, the, the constituency that she is representing mm. clearly is it's, it's 25-year-old, atomised, you know, anywhere people Londoners. Yeah. Right? And it's no wonder that these people are kind of like, I hate Britain. Well, if you feel like you're essentially mm. not connected, like emotionally, spiritually mm. to anyone or anywhere, and you're living in the concrete hellscape that is London. Yeah. And you don't... Almost can't blame them. Yeah, exactly, that right? Yeah. If that's your experience of Britain, well, I'm not surprised you hate this country. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And it will have been people like that that will have selected of this, this lady as, uh, as the representative. They're all going to be... Are, and she is their representative exactly, in that way. right? And so in, in a way, like she is an accurate representation of that thing mm. that currently wears the face of Britain, right? Yes, yes. Uh, but the, anyway, at the time she was 10th favourite to win... Uh, and uh, this year's conference took place in Liverpool because it was supposed to take place in Ukraine, but of course they couldn't because of the war. Yep. Understandable. And so, uh, you know, she was quite you know generous about Ukraine, right? We're excited to be hosting this year. Everyone knows it's Ukraine's party. It's just at our house, mm. you know? And okay, yeah, fine. That's, that's fine. And I can totally, like, you know, I'm not a supporter of Ukraine or Russia, mm. really, and, but, you know, I can understand why people would be. I hear that makes you a fascist. I, I hear that makes me all sorts of things. Mm. Uh, but I'm not pro either way, basically. But I'm sympathetic. You know, the Ukrainians alone is being invaded. It would be nice if they could win. Sure. Right? Um, so anyway, we'll get to the song itself. We get to the next one. Um, so I'm not gonna not gonna play in a bit. But and it's not my sort of music. It's very much modern London music. Mm. You know, not my kind of music yeah. at all. Um, but I went to the comments and had a look to see how this was being received. Mm. Uh, and it wasn't like received- to dislike ratio. Yeah. Yeah. I actually couldn't see that while I was making this oh, up because right. I didn't have the uh, add-on. I didn't even know that it was uh, mm. massively downvoted compared. Seriously, this vocal performance was no better than subpar X Factor audition. I mean, her singing was okay, but her mm. London accent did come out a lot in it, right? Uh, I don't know what happened. She danced like my drunk auntie and her voices sounded like Trisha Paytas. I don't know who that is. Mm. Uh, next time Good I go to Premark, <laughs> this is gonna, I'm going to hear this playing, so... You know, um, the BBC literally said they wanted a female singer with a banger this year. When you choose according to identity rather than merit, this is what happens. It still baffled me that no one checked to see if she could sing life before choosing the song. 
brutal. Yeah, rough. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I, I don't think she's a bad person or anything. I think that she has been chosen as a representative of a certain kind of culture yes. that is identity-driven, as mm. this person points mm. out. And this has reaped the expected results yes. because Britain came second to last. <laughs> yeah. Germany was the only nation to finish lower than us. So suck it, Germany. Mm, as always. Uh, as always. <laughs> but um, really, it's not, not, not too much to gloat over. Um, but anyway, so people, a bunch of people accused the BBC of sabotaging her because of their technical difficulties. Viewers claimed that they could barely hear her of the backing music. Um, and this, uh, the, the set generally wasn't amazing. And I do genuinely feel bad for her. Because, right? mm. like, she would have been in an environment where everyone around her would have been like, no, you're brilliant, you're the Just best. yes, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just constant yes, man. Very little constructive criticism, mm. right? And and this undoubtedly was devastating for this young woman who isn't responsible for this, no. you know, in a way. Like, well, this this is the culture of these industries, isn't it? The yeah, music industry, exactly. the film industry, and you know, and so on. They, they these people never. It's 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 actually a cruelty in a way. Yeah, I think that, so. for these people to be just told by all from all sides that they're amazing and perfect yeah. and all that, and then the brick wall of reality. Yeah, hits them in the face as Ex we've seen here. Exactly. And how and you know again, I'm sure this this lady is not a bad person. I'm sure she must be person. feeling miserable right now, devastated. Look I mean, look picture. at that picture. Yeah, yeah, just absolutely heartbroken. It's like right. So this this industry. I mean, like the. The tone of the song, right? Mm. They they all told you, you know, writing a song about how you you wrote a song because you broke up with your ex boyfriend that mm. that'll go down brilliantly, right? And then you know, like I just feel that she was completely set up for failure, mm. which and no one warned her that this was going to happen. So it's like the highest high and then devastating crash. Yeah. You know, if if it was slightly different, I would have been you know, and if she was a different person, maybe I'd mm. I'd feel less sympathetic. But like I do genuinely feel bad for her, yeah. right? Um. And so no wonder a lot of the fans were like, well, they set her up to fail. And it's like, kind of, but yeah. not in the way you're saying. Yeah, not, in, not in the literal, like, yeah. materialistic way that they think. Exactly. You know, it's, she, just, it's more like a spiritual yeah, setting up yeah, a failure. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and she's not the author of, well, frankly, the kind of person that she is, the no. environment that she's in, exactly. the, the culture that has done this to her. She's not the author mm. of any of this, right? And the thing is, this is especially disappointing because last year, um, it, a British person, uh, Sam Ryder, mm. uh, came second with uh, a song called Spaceman. Now, he likely would have come first, but of course, Ukraine. the Ukrainians yes. won. Yes, because of the Russian war, which is totally understandable, yeah. totally uh, laudable, actually, and honourable. And if I, I were Sam Ryder and I'd come first and the Ukrainians had come second, you'd probably have been like, well, I'd like to give it to the Ukrainians. Yeah. I mean, know. it is, I think it's worth pointing out, it, that is an exercise in propaganda. That's no value-free sure, sure, judgment. Sure, sure. It is an exercise in propaganda, but you can understand it. But it's also an exercise in kind of uh, propriety as well. Right? Yeah. You know, if, yeah. if it... If Deference. You, yeah, 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 exactly. And respect and decency, right? Yeah. And so, you know, there's... It's not that uh, uh, the Europeans are instinctively mm. going to vote against Britain just because it's Britain, yeah. because of Brexit, which they probably in previous eras they may have done. Uh, but, uh, you know, so it's not like they were being prejudiced mm. or anything, right? They are just not deferential. Uh, and, I mean, if you go to the next one... Um, Sorry, no, no, that that previous one. Sorry, is it the video? Right, this this was the guy's song again. I'm not going to play any of it. To be honest with you, I thought this was worse than her song. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did not enjoy the guy. These guys got a very falsetto tone of voice, okay, right. and I I personally didn't enjoy it. But it, you you notice that it's not this um, dramatically solipsistic mm. uh, thing, right? He's he's talking about slightly uh, loftier concerns. But anyway, yeah. Um, but th this wasn't the reason that I 
found myself bothered by this because it was just how May Muller was able to represent Britain after having tweeted. And it was only like, you know, 2020. Mm. Like, it's not like she tweeted this 10 years ago or something. Yeah. You know, um, that she literally said, I hate Britain. I hate this country. Uh, and she decided that she wasn't going to take that back. Mm. Uh, so, right, okay. Uh, so in 2020, uh, her social media highlights included as Boris Johnson lay in hospital with COVID. I don't feel sorry for him. Hundreds have died due to Tory policies. Name them. Yeah, name them. <laughs> Nurses are literally dying because of you? No, if they were dying of anything, it would have been COVID, surely. Mm. Boris Johnson wasn't the architect of COVID, and uh, he actually did everything that you wanted him to do on COVID, yeah. which is not what I wanted him to do on COVID, yeah. right? Um, yeah, no doubt when she says that Tory policy has killed millions of people, whatever yeah. what she said, that's because they didn't lock down hard enough, and presumably. This this sort of culture will, will you yeah. know, that will be the perspective. Yeah. And she, she'll never in any way look at what happened as a consequence of lockdowns, but anyway. Mm. And uh, she had also posted, quote, I hate this country. Yep. And that person represents Britain to the rest of Europe. Did she regret the tweets? Quote, no, because that's how I felt. Mm. Why should I support you as the representative of Britain if you're literally, I hate this country and I'm not taking it back? Again, you know, <clears throat> think about what this, again, think about representation and what this country actually is. You know, at this point, the way that we are perceived on the global stage, you know, do you know what? I actually wonder, she probably does represent us. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that's the that's the thing. Self-hating. It speaks to the sickness yeah. that is destroying this country. That's the right word. Yeah. That we can't seem to get better from. Yeah. It really does. And, you know, she's she, she carries on to justify herself because she's not just like, I hate Britain always forever, right? Mm. She says... Uh, I hate this country is not ideal as I am representing this country, but I love where I'm from. Do you though? You know, uh, it's a privilege to be born here. And that's why I felt strongly. We deserve the best. And at this time, this amazing country wasn't getting the best. We're being let down. Okay. Well, when was it amazing? You give me the date, right? Because really, I think what you're saying is I've been promised a bunch of very progressive things uh, that don't exist anywhere. And now I'm looking around and they certainly don't exist here. And now I'm annoyed that I've been, and she literally says, you know, we're being let down. Yeah, been lied to. By who? Oh. By the progressive people in the milieu in which you yeah. exist, you know? By and the, so yeah. you find yourself hating Britain because you've been promised utopia. Yeah, by uh, the sort of Rousseauian Marvel Marvel merchants. Ab absolutely, that's yeah. exactly it. You know, the Marvel merchants. That's a great, great phrase. Mm. Um, but the thing is, the BBC didn't, like, uh, make a delete these or anything. <laughs> the, the, we, did you uh. get a call from them? They're like, no, they didn't make me scrub my personality. They were just like, yeah, it's fine if you hate Britain. You can represent Britain. Of course, why would that be a problem? I mean, it's no surprise because the BBC is populated by the same type of people. Of course of it is. Of course it is. No. Populated right? by friends of hers. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, uh, like, a lot of people uh, who did not did have a problem with what I said were from the UK. Obviously, a lot of the Europeans didn't care. Uh, they said, you've lost my vote. And she's like, well, you can't vote for me anyway. Well, I mean, can you not vote in the European Song Contest? I don't. I, I must admit, I'm not an expert. On no, I'm not. I, I, um, I'm sure there was some. There, there's got to be. Uh, maybe it's there is a voting process. Maybe it's delegates there. Or yeah, maybe the voting. Right. Okay. But again, the, the spirit of what's being said, though, you've lost my vote. Yeah. Like she should look at that for what they're actually saying. Yeah. She should think, okay, the, uh, these people feel. What I mean, it's the most literal way of saying you do not represent me. Yes. It's the, in a democracy, yeah. you don't have my vote. That's you saying I don't feel that you represent me. Exactly. And if this is about representation, then she should look at that and think, well. Why okay, not? that's not great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're like, the, and she's literally like, I don't care. Yeah. 
The attitude is, well, do one then. Yeah, exactly. She says, a lot of young women follow me and it's important that they see that they can have a voice. How, where is that What are you from? talking about? What? How many female prime ministers? We were just reigned over by for 70 years by a queen. Yeah. But there's just not an issue in this country. And, and a I'm voice, sorry. A, a voice to say what? To say, I wrote a song. A voice to say, I matter. Me, 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 me. And yeah. I don't care about your opinion. Yeah. Don't vote for me. You know, it's, I just, I can't can't take it man mm. uh, but they say like you know eurovision is officially a non-political event it's like really well yeah. <laughs> uh but uh but anyway she gets to be political right and she, mm. she gets to say she hates all these things um, but well, it's they, the kind sorry just very quickly it's yeah, the kind yeah. of obscuring of the political yes that someone like paul gottfried would talk about right it's this kind of this this attitude that what you know, this thing, statements and, and positions and events that actually are, do have a political character, <coughs> yes. like Eurovision, yeah. um, are, are presented as being mere neutral platforms, um, you know, that, are, that aren't, don't have any bearing on politics at all. But that's clearly not the case. I mean, from this story alone. The, the liberal fiction that there are non-political political spaces, exactly. basically. Yeah. yeah. But what I find interesting is the way that she conceives of the country <laughs> and uh, and her background, I think, is interesting mm. because I would have thought if I if I were the one with that background, I'd have a different opinion on this country, right? So they they say in this, um, she uh, she was born uh, in the UK uh, in 1997. Her mm, surname yeah, is from her grandfather. Yeah, mm. yeah, she's she's a child of Blair, right? As am I. Yeah, exactly. Mm. As as are many young people now, um, or all young people now, mm. really. Uh, but her surname is from her grandfather, Robert, a Jew who fled Germany for Britain. And thanks to Germany's reconciliatory process of giving citizenship to descendants of Nazi persecution, the UK's Eurovision entrant will still soon have a German passport. <coughs> Isn't that weird? Well, again, it is this kind of, I said it just now, the sort of anywhere person. Yeah. What Scruton would call an, any, an yeah. anywhere person. The, you can the, just, you can pluck them out of any metropolitan city, be it London, Berlin, exactly. New York, and you know, and so yeah. on. And you can just place them wherever and they feel just as at home because yeah. home to them is not, a, and it's not an attachment to a particular place for exactly. particular people. It's an attachment to a kind of, again, this soulless, you know, yeah. glass and steel yeah. jungle. When she says, I love where I'm from, mm. I but then can say, I hate Britain. Yeah. She's saying she's not from Britain. She's saying she's from London, which is well, the international yes. city, yeah. which is like, so it could be Kuala Lumpur. It could be anywhere. Yes. Right. Uh, so it very, I just find this very interesting. Mm. Right. But, uh, and she says uh, it means we can live in Spain. It also means we can tour the EU with minimal paperwork. It's like, how British does that feel? It's just internationalist. Yeah. That is yeah. right. And so again, an internationalist is representing Britain, talking about herself, saying that she hates this country. And I'm just like, God, all of these things just show that we are essentially an occupied country at this point. Mm, we're being occupied by the international order. Yes. Right? And again, uh, the, the Jewish Chronicle put an article about this, and I found this really interesting, right? Because uh, in July 2020, responding to anti-Semitism in the music industry, Muller posted to Instagram, to all my Jewish friends and followers, I love you. There is no place for anti-Semitism in this world. I am very proud of my Jewish roots, and so should you. I've never even heard of anti-Semitism in the music industry, but okay, <laughs> fair enough. Um, my granddad fled from Nazi Germany to the UK when he was 12 on his own. I always find myself trying to imagine how scared he must have been. So F, Wiley, and F, anyone who shares those views, I stand with all my Jewish friends, family supporters, always well. Okay, right. So you love your granddad. You empathize with his plight, fleeing from the Nazis to Britain. Granddad sets up a new life in Britain, must have liked the place, probably eternally grateful. I mean, I've seen the, the, on LBC a while ago, 
there was a Holocaust survivor, an old, old chap who was like, oh, I loved England when I came mm. here. This was a magical place, not like that now. And yeah. they were all like, what do you mean? He's like, you know, mm. and you knew what he was thinking. Oh, yeah, of right? course. But the point is, these people genuinely had a love for this country. Mm. And she has a love for her grandfather, hates Britain. Mm. Like, how can you get to that point? You know, you, the, the reason you exist, because your family was saved by Britain, mm. you think you'd have some sort of emotional attachment to the ancestral aid that Britain has given you. Absolutely. You know? And this happens, this happened to a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of them do, you know. And so it's like, Afro Hirsch is the same. Yeah. Right? Her, oh, yeah. Her, her grandfather and grandmother fled uh, Ghana and Nazi Germany mm. from persecution, comes here, hates Britain. Yeah, and she, I mean, she's one of the worst for us. She as well. is one she of the worst. Hates this country. And I, I just can't get over it. So mm. anyway, I just, I really get annoyed with the people who have to represent mm. us, who are allowed to represent us, and I wish they would just think about themselves a little bit more, because actually, you know, you're trapped in a system that you don't like mm. clearly. Uh, but anyway, perhaps uh, reflect on themselves a little bit more because they they clearly think about themselves far too much as it is. Good point. I should have uh, framed it that way. But it could be worse. We could be Germany. So, um, <laughs> God. Do you want to just play this without music, John? Everything going all right, Germany? You that sent, looks like a healthy civilization. You sent Lord of the Lost to play Blood and Glitter at the Eurovision. Really? Really? Got anything you want to tell us? Decided that Christianity not your thing? Getting strong Weimar vibes. <laughs> That's literally what was going through my head just now. I'm glad this came last. <laughs> I'm really glad yeah. this came last. Like, don't get me. I mean, this like punk rock aesthetics have always had a certain, sure. a certain amount of this. Sure. But this, I mean, this is just. But there's a time and a place, right? Well, yeah, and and, and again, we're talking about representation. We're exactly. complaining about how somebody who says, "Oh, I hate this country," is representing us. Yeah. Th this is what Germany are being represented exactly. by. What constituency exactly. is this representing? The who? average German yeah. represented. I mean, at least at least our woman is in you know, like just kind of lost and set adrift yeah. in, a, in a current of forces she doesn't understand and doesn't control. Right? Yeah, a kind um, of sad. There's a sadness yeah, it's, to it's, it. Yeah, it's melancholic, yeah. right? Yeah. The, the, you know, it's not humiliating. No, like no, you know, it's not humiliating. It, it's it, like if I were a German, I'd be looking at this going, "God, what must they think of us?" Mm. Because honestly, yeah, it, this is just embarrassing, and, and no wonder you came last. I yeah. mean, it's just like, but I mean, the Germans do have a strain of this in them, actually. Uh, well, I was going to say there is a sort of distinctly German flavour to yeah, this. Has to be said again. What like once you once you uh, adopt a sort of new set of principles. The Germans do have a habit of taking that to the most extreme, mm. and this this is very German, I have to say. I lived down in Germany for eight years, man. You, you, like most Germans mm. are actually, you know, nice, yeah, like socially conservative, traditional you know? people. Yeah. <coughs> yeah, they dress well. They're you know they're well spoken. They're very polite, mm. and but then they get into this sort of excitable mode, yeah, uh, which ends up l promoting. Extreme degeneracy, mm. which uh, what's that? There's a there's a some German phrase. It's the the drive towards the absolute. Yeah, I forget the uh, German. Douglas Murray uses it in yeah. Strange Death of You, but yeah. Europe. I don't the, know. The this answer. is that made made flesh. Yeah, it's like, is there anything wrong with this happening? Well, no, not technically. There's mm. nothing wrong. Well, then it's good in every case. Mm. It's like no, actually, when it's supposed to be representing yes. your country in the world stage, it's deeply embarrassing. Yeah. And everyone was like, no, I'm voting against that. Yeah, you know. Mm. Uh, so anyway, just a quick thing: Re representation does matter, and uh, we need to think about what's re representing us. Uh, have we got any video comments today? 
Let's go and watch the video comments. So after yesterday's humorous conversation about changing skin color, I thought it's time to finally talk about this because there are actually substances, one that will inhibit melanin production and one that will increase melanin production. I've tried the one that inhibits it because it has pro-cognitive effects, and the one that uh, produces more actually has negative cognitive effects I would never touch. So it's a little bit of food for thought for you there. And no, I won't tell you what they are. I don't think we're allowed to think about that. I, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't quite know what to say to that. Mo moving on. Mm -hmm. Good afternoon, Lotus Eaters. Good to be back. Just a, uh, a quick shout out today. Uh, there's a couple of us going down to a march on Saturday, the 20th of May. Uh, we're protesting against Cardiff City Council's plans to impose a 15 minute city. Uh, if any of you can get to Cardiff for one o'clock on Saturday, it'd be great to see you there. We're meeting at City Hall. Uh, there's going to be a demonstration and I uh, hope to see you all there. Wonderful. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm from Kent, very near Canterbury, actually. And that's one of the cities that's uh, been transformed. Sorry. Are they, are they actually doing it? Yeah. 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 Um, and it's really, really upsetting to see. And I, I actually do think that that sort of thing, the kind of again this sort of technocratic managerialism mm. that is the true uh goal of what we might call the regime i thought you were going to say face of evil well that too <laughs> yeah that, that as well but you know we it, we we see all the woke stuff and we yeah. see all the you know the talk of you know whether or not women have penises and all that sort of thing but as far as i'm concerned i don't you may agree with this you may not but that is basically all just it's just distraction Essentially, because it's, it's window self, dressing. Yeah, window yeah. dressing. Self-evidently ridiculous, and history will report mm. it as such. Mm. History, you know, you know, people of the future will look back on <clears throat> the woke stuff specifically, and yeah. they will. I mean, it's obvious. You know, you, you've used the example yeah. of um, what's it like? Uh, you know, lobotomy. Yeah. And this sort of thing, yeah. right? Look back on it like that was just a mental mm. thing that happened. Yeah. That sort of thing, though. The fifteen-minute cities, digital IDs, mm. central bank digital currencies, and so on. Those are the actual goals, yeah. I think, of of the regime, because those are the things that actually confer power and control mm. these these are and it, yeah it's it's worse isn't it it's mm. um because i mean don't get me wrong on a on an individual level the trans stuff is very important right mm. to an individual person to a young person sure. in particular yeah. keeping them out of the clutches of these crazy oh, people. Yeah. oh yeah of course yeah on an individual level yeah you know but that's uh if you know someone who's mm. going through that if you don't know someone who's going through that then it's abstract mm. it's or not, if you have a child going through the education system yeah exactly right yeah. but but the but that's something you can personally do. But these fifteen-minute cities, man, these mm. are this is the blueprint of the new global civilization, essentially sinking itself in yes. to the civilization it's conquered, yes, and transforming the citizenry mm. from countrymen into citizens. Yes, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. And and that will be inescapable. Mm. They'll be taking something away from them mm. in a generation that took a thousand years to build up. Literally, you know, literally a thousand years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even over. I'm not overegging this at all, mm. and that is the general, the genuine concern. I, I mean, again, I use the, the example of Canterbury because it's just near where I'm from. But think of it's a great know, example. Yeah, think, but think of Canterbury? what Canterbury represents. It's a that pilgrimage word. site, exactly. You know, it's Chaucer. The, yeah, yeah it, the city of Chaucer. But it's it's the it's the literal like the 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 heart or should have been the heart of English religiosity mm. for a thousand years. Yes, like it's literally where saints are buried, mm. where people would pilgrimage to yeah. to commune with God. And now it's a 15-minute global city, just like every other. Yeah. Who cares? But again, you know, thinking of, thinking about representation, when Justin Welby yeah. is the oh, is the embodiment God. of uh, of the Christian faith in England. 
One then day. we've seriously one day Calvin straight. Robinson. <laughs> yeah, hey, <laughs> we can only hope. We can only hope. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's get some comments. Uh, Lord Nerevar says it's good that our small C conservatives are finally figuring the game out, but it's a bit late now. The institutions are captured, the main parties are identical, and there's not enough time to set up a real alternative for the next general election. We've still got some really dark times ahead of us. Unfortunately, just keep banging the drum. Um, well, it's never too late. Okay, mm. the Normans, uh, the, the Normans, the Danes controlled two thirds of England. Uh, before they were defeated. Mm. Uh, so it's never too late. History and called forth the great man exactly. in that circumstance. Exactly. And we, we have to wonder whether that's going to happen and what, in to England of today. Well, what I love about Alfred as an example is he was not naturally inclined to do what he had mm. to do. He was a scholar. Yeah. He wasn't a soldier. Mm. And yet he spent his entire life fighting. Mm. Taffy says, Conservatives finally coming out and saying basic common sense is not the beginning of a rally. It's the cold specter of electoral defeat following the council elections. It's too little, too late. Um, you are right uh, that that is the case. But it's also, there is the embers of a genuine conservative movement beginning to brew. That it's becoming self-aware, self-conscious. It's opening its own eyes mm. and saying, hang on a second, I've been asleep for far too long. Mm. right?" And we need this kind of conscious conservatism to be able to actually say, nope, 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 and start start pushing back. Yeah, generative and, conservatism. Yes, yeah, something that actually, reactive. yeah, exactly, ex yeah. precisely, precisely. Yeah. Um, as Desert Rat says, a good functional family is the best best thing for growing children. Developmental psychology knows this. Ancient societies knew this. Why are modern people having a hard time with it? Because of liberalism, actually, mm -hmm. which we'll talk about after this podcast. Mm. Um, just very sorry, very quickly on that. Yeah, I know yeah. I keep interrupting. Um, but Miriam Cates gave an excellent speech at the, the yeah. NetCon thing. I, I, I say she gave an excellent speech. I haven't actually watched it. I've just seen... You've uh, seen clips of it. Yeah, and I've seen, I've seen quotes taken from it. Right, right. And she, I've actually met Miriam Cates. I met yeah. her once after she delivered quite a similar speech to the one she gave at the uh, National mm. Conservative Conference. where she And she said... You know, we, we have all this talk of you know, our enemies being the neo-Marxists and, mm. you know, the globalists and so on. Um, but actually, the liberal dream has failed mm. to deliver one thing, and that's babies. And that's mm. totally right. And I think that angle of attack from a conservative MP mm. is fantastic, because she's attacking not, you know, not the specter of, well, you know, the specter of communism, if you yeah. want, but, but liberalism. The actual cause of all this, all, this, all of these things that we look at now and, and, and see as just tremendous tragedies, basically. Mm. No, I think that's absolutely right. Mm. And the, the problem that a lot of liberals will have will say, well, look, liberalism does contain some public goods. And it's like, that it does. It does contain some public goods. Mm -hmm. And 300 years ago, these were, seemed a lot more valuable than they are now. Yeah. But is freedom really what you're lacking? You know, what you're lacking is belonging and decency yes. and family and harmony. Yeah. You know, ironically, the things Keir Starmer was appealing to. Yeah. You know, the, li liberalism can't provide these, mm. right? And so now it's just time to stop. Yeah. And think about something else. Recenter ourselves. Mm. Move forward on something else. But um, uh, as Desert Rat says, uh, those all seem like reasonable expectations for immigrants. Suella Braveman's expectations. Mm. I don't want any kind of radicalism coming to the USA. I don't see why Brits shouldn't have the same uh, expectations. Uh, Omar says the only allowable net increase in immigration under a conservative government should be the number used to catch illegals. <laughs> If there are enough counterforces in your own party acting to prevent you from, from doing what you were voted in for, the only answer is to purge those elements. Uh, they deliberately, deliberately rake leaves strewn on the ground to remain cartoonishly ineffective mm. when they take steps to resolve an issue but smack themselves in the face instead. Yeah. Completely true. But yeah, right, absolutely. we're out of uh, time there. So... Uh, where can people find you, Charlie? Um, so I've got a website, cfdowns.uk, uh, and that has all of my work on it, um, all of my TV appearances, um, radio, writing, and so on. Um, 
And I've also got a Twitter, um, which I post my unsolicited, half-baked, political, 21-year-old opinions on. Um, that's the best thing for Twitter, though, isn't it? That's oh, the, yeah. That's the best oh, reason yeah. to have a Twitter. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that, Carl, seriously, thank you for having me on. This has been an absolute pleasure. Well, I've really enjoyed it. I've really um, enjoyed it as well. I was saying to Carl before we came on that he's been a tremendous influence on me, actually, over the years. And I've followed Lotus Eater since it started. Um, so it's just a, a, real, a real privilege and pleasure to be here. So thank you very, thank much. You very much. Right. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. Take it easy.